You're listening to the Eat with Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Thanks for joining us today. We are going to be talking about food rules today. So in our culture and in our society, there are a lot of arbitrary food rules. And what arbitrary means is just that there's really no reason, um, no logical reason behind it. So we're going to bring up some of the common food rules that people try to follow and discuss whether, whether there's any scientific or health reason behind it, or if this is something that maybe you can give up in your life. And so Jackie, do you want to, do you want to share one of them that we've talked about and we'll go from there? You know, a big one that I think um, seems like it should fit with most nutritional plans is breakfast is essential. Like you have to have breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. You know, that is one of those um, food rules that we can look at and say, is that an individual food rule that might help you personally? Is it a cultural food rule in that that's just the way our family does it, or that's the way the culture does it? Or would there be some scientific basis for it? And when I think of uh, breakfast as essential, I think that's more a cultural rule. And there might be some situations where it might help an individual, but basically it doesn't matter what time of day you're eating, it's the food you're putting into your body. Right. And I think where that comes from is there are some benefits of eating breakfast. Um, you know, it, it does fuel you for the day. I think for kids in school, you, if, if they're going to struggle with uh, feeling hungry and have their stomach rolling while they're trying to learn, that's going to uh, that's going to be a problem and inhibit their learning at that time. So eating breakfast is probably a good idea in that sense. But I do think that some people feel like they have to eat breakfast and they have to eat it right away. And I think there's a lot of gray area and nuance in there for that. I think if, if we're really going to eat intuitively and honor our hunger and fullness, we're going to wait and we're going to eat until we're, when we're hungry, right? So like when I have to get up and work in the morning, um, if I'm leaving the house, I will eat breakfast before I leave the house because I know if I don't, um, I'm going to be hungry an hour later and I might not have the opportunity to eat at that time. However, on days like today where I'm home all morning, I might not eat breakfast until 10 o'clock because that's when I finally feel hungry. And so I don't think there's this magic time um, or, or amount of food or anything like that that constitutes breakfast. You really have to know yourself, your body, your own schedule and how you feel after you eat breakfast or when you don't eat breakfast. Like some people just have low energy when they don't eat breakfast. Some people feel better when they do. And so you kind of need to evaluate your own eating pattern, I think, and see what works best for you. I totally agree with that. And another uh, situation or rule where you have to really um, look at it individually is the recommendation of eating six small meals a day versus three larger meals. Now, this is one that in the past as diabetes educators, we have recommended to patients, but you really have to look at the individual and say, 
is six small meals just a license to eat more often and more food during the day and not to um, notice your hunger and fullness cues. Another thing you have to think about when people were eating six small meals, sometimes they're not including whole grains and they're not including fruits and vegetables because if you're doing it six times a day, you grab things that are easier. Probably packaged foods, if you're doing it six times a day, it's easier to grab that. So that's another one where you have to look at and say, um, is it benefiting my nutritional status to do it six times a day? Is it keeping my blood sugars down if you measure your blood sugars because you're a diabetic? Or is this just something that is making it so I'm eating more and not noticing when I'm hungry and when I'm full? Right. And I've actually read, there is a lot of good scientific research on this. And there was a study that came out, I want to say just in the last year or so that said like, whether you eat three standard meals a day or six times a day, there's really no difference in any health benefits. It all matters on what you're eating, how much you're eating, um, your, like your total, you know, calorie macronutrient breakdown, like that's what matters. Um, and really the the, the amount of food or the timing of the food is not going to make a difference. And so again, if we go back to intuitive eating, are you honoring your hunger and fullness? Are you eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full? If for some of you, that's three times a day, that's great. If for some of you, you prefer smaller meals and you eat more often and that's six times, I think that's fine too. So again, it's really an individual choice. And then we have all those different rules of leaving out certain foods. A lot of times those foods come in the category of carbohydrates. Well, a big one I think of is potatoes. And this is something that, you know, we go back and forth on that these are high carb. And I remember talking with a patient and recommending that instead of leaving out this carbohydrate, that potatoes can be incredibly healthy with lots of nutrients in them. You know, what if they left off the butter, the sour cream, or any other kinds of fats that they're putting with the potatoes? And the patient replied to me, well, I would probably only eat a small amount of the potatoes then. I thought, oh, that's a win-win. <laughs> because the reason sometimes we overeat is because we do um, enjoy the mouthfeel of the, the fat. We enjoy the flavor that the uh, fat and the sodium give it. And there's nothing wrong with the fat and sodium. It's the quantity then that we're eating. So saying that potatoes are bad, that's not necessarily true. No, it's really not. And I would say bread, pasta, any kind of carbohydrate goes into that as well. And I would say people, you know, especially diabetics or people who fall in that pre-diabetic um, category, maybe they're at a high risk of developing type two diabetes. Um, you know, they might want to eat a moderate amount of carbohydrate. Um, but still, they can have bread and pasta and potatoes, all of these things can fit in there. And like you said, potatoes are extremely high in nutrients, they're high in potassium and fiber. Um, we also get the phytochemicals in the skins. And so if we're eating a balanced diet and we're eating um, some protein and some vegetables and some other foods with that, we're not likely going to overeat on that individual food. And so again, looking at the, your whole diet and balance, you, you can't blame one, one specific food um, or macronutrient, especially because we know that carbohydrates are essential. Like we, our brain needs them. Our brain needs the glucose to function. We do best um, 
in sports and activities when we have the energy to do it and we get those things from carbohydrates and potatoes are one of those really good whole foods um, that we should be eating. And yes, I put butter on them. I wouldn't eat a potato if I, did, if I didn't have butter on it. That's what makes it taste good, right? So there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't want to put a half stick of butter on it. Um, but yes, you, you want it to taste good and you want to be able to enjoy it because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to eat it either. So finding okay. that balance is important. I have to share a recipe I just tried the other day that I absolutely loved. And it's basically making mashed potatoes and you add cooked greens to it. And this actually is um, a recipe that is an old Irish recipe and it's centuries old. And I tried it and everyone in my family like, these are really good. Of course, we all love mashed potatoes, especially if you season it the way that you're used to having it and your family has it. But then to add the greens in there and you, and you keep the greens fairly big so it doesn't turn into green potatoes. It's white potatoes with the greens. And you can use um, kale, like a, a curly kale or a dinosaur kale. You can use a spinach, you can use Swiss chard. So you cook the greens ahead of time, stir them in at the end. Wow, awesome. And I actually decreased the um, some of the other seasonings that I normally would put in mashed potatoes because it, it didn't really need it with the, the greens. So. so so do you cut up the greens in small pieces or would you keep like the spinach leaves whole or how do you do that? You know, spinach leaves you could leave pretty big because when they cook, they're very, very tender. Soft. But if you have a green that's less tender, like collards, beets, Swiss chard or kale, you're going to cut those up. You're going <laughs> to chop it, in fact. And I just cook the the greens in the microwave with some water for about three to four minutes until they're tender and uh, stir it in. And it was super interesting. I was also at a restaurant the other day and it was a pizza with spinach on it. The spinach tasted so delicious. They must have sauteed it with a little bit of olive oil and garlic mm. to give it that flavor. So when we're talking about cutting out foods from our diet, sometimes you need a little bit of that oil, a little bit of that butter, a little bit of that fat to make it so flavorful that you enjoy eating the vegetables as much as you would enjoy eating anything else. Right, right. I agree. Okay. One of the other rules I think that people tend to try to apply or think is healthy or essential is not eating after six o'clock at night. And this kind of falls too into the same category of the three to six times a day or the not eating breakfast. I think whatever eating pattern works for you and times of the day works for you and your schedule, I think is just fine because it really is how much food have you eaten in an entire day? It's your total energy intake for the whole day. Whether you space that out evenly or not, it doesn't matter. If you're not hungry after six o'clock, probably don't need to eat after six o'clock. But if you're hungry, then eat something right? If we're honoring the hunger and fullness, we want to make sure that we are doing that because we don't want to go to bed hungry. We don't want to go to bed with our stomach growling. Um, that's going to be really hard to fall asleep if you're that way. So if you're hungry after six, go ahead and eat, but you don't have to have this rule. There's no like magic formula out there that if you don't, if you don't eat anything after six o'clock, then all of a sudden you're going to lose a bunch of weight or your health is going to improve a ton. So, so again, another individual choice. Another rule that um, 
you often hear is drink six to eight glasses of water a day. Now, I have to admit that most of us do not drink enough fluids during the day, but it is possible to drink too many fluids. And there again, you're going to have a problem with electrolyte imbalance. And electrolyte imbalance is so important for our bodies to feel good. If you have too little of fluids, you know, you can get lightheaded, kind of dehydrated. Yep. But having too many fluids can also be an issue. So, um, you know, probably going with your thirst and making sure you're not thirsty is probably the amount of uh, water that you need. This might be an individual thing. Some right. people can drink more water than other people. It also depends on how much you perspire. Larger people have more skin to perspire more and they might need more fluids than a very small person who is sitting indoors uh, in a cool environment and isn't uh, perspiring. Right, and so I think that six to eight glasses of fluid, now you said fluids. I think a lot of people think they have to drink six to eight glasses of water. Um, I include all fluids in there. So whether it's milk or coffee or tea or anything, fluids are fluids, like your body's gonna get water from those things. And so, yes, use your thirst. You can go by the color of your pee if you really want to look at it and make sure, you know, the lighter color is better than the super dark color. That's going to give you an indication that you're drinking enough. Um, but yeah, overall fluid intake, you shouldn't have to force yourself to drink. If you're forcing yourself to drink, you probably don't need fluids at that point. So, so um, I don't even click on some of the things that I see on the internet. Like they'll say, eat these three foods or don't eat these three foods. So that, that would be more food rules. Yep. Um, what do you think about uh, rules of not eating certain foods or not, or pairing different foods together and not pairing certain foods? So I, I don't understand the premise at all behind pairing as far as like a rule. Now I use, I use pairing foods as a guideline uh, for myself. So specifically like snacks, um, I like to have some kind of protein or fat with a carbohydrate when I have a snack. Now I do this because I am most satisfied when I have the balance at that meal. I don't do it because there's some magical combination between pairing, uh, you know, protein and carbohydrate together. Like it doesn't do anything special in my body. I just know I feel the best and I feel the most satisfied when I eat that way. So you can have some guidelines around the pairing, but there's not this magical formula that if you eat, you know, carbohydrate and fat together, that that's horrible for your health. So I, I know there are some diet plans out there that do have these pairing rules. I think they're completely unnecessary. I would go by what works best for you. Um, if you notice your hunger and your fullness and your satiety based on um, what kind of foods you eat together, I, I think, I think that's fine. But as far as like the, the eat this, don't eat that stuff again, that's black and white thinking around food. I think all foods fit. I think, yes, whole foods are great. And we should try to get a lot of our nutrients from whole foods, but processed foods can also fit into a healthy diet because it all depends on the amount, the frequency. Um, it looks like our whole diet, big picture, long-term, um, is what's important. And it's not these individual little foods that are going to make a big difference long-term. So we can think of a lot of different rules that we could just um, eliminate immediately. 
I was wondering, are there any food rules at all that that we, we should follow? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because our whole premise here is we're pushing back on the culture surrounding right. food nutrition from a biblical perspective. So when I think of it from a biblical perspective, I really can't think of any food rules that are in the Bible that pertain to us as we live under grace. Right. I guess the only food rule in the Bible would be like, don't make food an idol. You know, that, ah. that would be a sin, idolatry. Um, if, if we're going to food all the time, if we're giving food way too much attention, if we're eating food all the time for our comfort and for our security, then if, if we've made food an idol, then it's a sin. So I think from a biblical standpoint, that would be one thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to make food an idol. Um, we don't, you know, the Bible talks about sacrificing food to idols. I don't think we do that anymore. Um, but we, we can make food an idol. We can make food way too important in our life where it becomes something that we put our hope in and that we put our security in. Um, and I think that's, that's one rule that we definitely want to make sure that we're not, that we're, that we're following or not following. We don't want food to be an idol. That's a really good one because I would say that that is probably, um, probably what happens when we do have food rules this, the food, it kind of becomes an idol. So mm -hmm. that is a great point. You know, um, going back to food rules to uh, steer away from because they're unnecessary. They increase your cognitive load when you have a million other things to do during the day that are way more important. And our purpose here is to glorify God. It's not to glorify food or food rules or I am such a better person because I follow all these food rules. So one of them is to avoid processed foods. Now, I know that my family eats fairly healthy. They all enjoy eating whole grains and whole fruits and vegetables. But we feel like processed foods can definitely be a part of our meal. I make homemade sourdough bread. I uh, grind the wheat myself because on the farm we grow it. So this, this bread is about as natural as you can get. But if I want a little bit of dough conditioners in it, I'll add instant potatoes to it. Now, if I have mashed potatoes, I would add those. But instant potatoes are definitely a processed food, definitely doesn't have a lot of nutrients as compared to the real potato. But in my bread, it makes it fluffier. It helps uh, bring out the flavors. It's a processed food. And, you know, two tablespoons of nonfat dry milk in my sourdough bread or two tablespoons of potato flakes in it, you know, that's not going to be a problem. But there's other foods that are processed that we find it can balance out a meal. So, well, right. And I know I posted a picture of my pantry on Instagram. I think I posted on my Facebook account too um, a couple months ago, just, just to show people that yes, even I as a dietitian have processed foods in my, in my, in my house. So we have, like you said, we have a lot of um, fresh produce. Um, I buy mostly whole grain products when it comes to like pasta and brown rice and, and barley and bread and things like that. Um, but I also have chips and I have lemon Oreos. Like those are one of my favorite things um, that I just love a lemon Oreo every once in a while. They're so good. And we have, 
you know, granola bars and we have, we have canned vegetables and we have macaroni and cheese and it's okay to have those things. Like those things are part of our overall diet. We don't eat only processed foods. We have mostly whole foods, but we do incorporate processed foods. Um, I'm a working mom and sometimes having a frozen pizza once a week is something that we do. We just serve it with fruits and vegetables or veggies and dip or something like that to try to balance it out. But processed foods can definitely be part of an overall healthy diet, even if people view them themselves as being, um, you know, unhealthy or, or not, not good enough or whatever. So again, we need to look at the big picture. The other one, I am such a big proponent of cooking whole foods and serving those to my family, but I don't feel like you have to, you know, some people who say that it's healthier to cook that way. I do think that's possible, but I also think it's possible to get very healthy food that maybe in the grocery store has been prepared. Um, if it's, if it's going to mean my family gets more vegetables because I get frozen vegetables or I get vegetables that are already cut up, then I think it's perfectly fine if you don't call that cooking from scratch. I mean, cooking from scratch, that, that has real, no real meaning, no real definition behind it. And it can be different for different people. So allow yourself some leniency. You want to put a meal on the table that... Um, has all the different food groups and that your family will enjoy that you all can sit down and, and uh, have a great conversation and build relationships. So whether you cooked the food 10% of it or 20% of it or none of it, it still can be a healthy meal. Yeah. And I think when we talk about all of these different um, arbitrary rules um, that come from either culture or um, tradition or, or science, <clears throat> again, all of this is a very individual choice. And I think there's a healthy diet for one person can look very different than a healthy diet for someone else. And so there's so much individualization in this um, that, that we, can't, we can't just put all of these generic rules on things because then it, it removes that individualization. We really need to see what is best for us, what's best for our families, what foods do we like, what are our health concerns and kind of plan our meal patterns and our food choices around that. And so try not to get sucked into these rules. Or if you, if you do come across them, if you're engaging in any of them, I want you to like really stop and do some critical thinking and ask yourself, like, is this rule really benefiting me? Is there any reason behind this rule? Is, is this, um, you know, making my life more difficult. Um, you, you really need to just, you know, I guess, see like why, where it's coming from, why are you doing it? And then have a really good reason for doing it if you are. Otherwise, maybe even just lessening those rules to more like guidelines. I don't like to use the rule, the, the word rule because it's, it's very rigid. I do have guidelines in my eating. I have general guidelines, uh, but guidelines are flexible. Rules are not flexible, guidelines are flexible. So even if you just need to like change the way that you think about it, change the wording around it. Um, in intuitive eating, they use for the most part thinking, right? For the most part, I'm gonna eat whole foods, but allow for this. For the most part, I may be going to try to eat before, before six o'clock at night, but sometimes if I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat at night. And so we want to, we want to lessen the rigidity in our eating. Um, and allow for more flexibility. 
And that's, that's just showing grace to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But we also want to think about those people in our sphere of influence, not putting rules on them. And even, even things like, um, I think for the most part is such a wonderful term. I love that kind of thinking, Mm -hmm. but we don't even need to put those kind of rules on those people at the table with us or those people around us. It's like allowing them to find their own intuitive way of eating. And that's a very important part of the process of, um, of learning intuitive eating is, is it's individual and it's different for every person. So I'm a really big proponent of not putting rules on yourself because we need to show ourselves grace. But we also need to show grace to those people at the table with us by not putting arbitrary rules on what they're eating. Because we don't know what the rest of their day has been like. We don't know if they've had all fruits and vegetables or all whole grains. And now they're eating just this one thing that is some kind of processed food. So we're only getting a small picture and we can't see the whole thing. Even if we can see the whole picture, it's still not our place to put rules on them for food. Yes, we don't want to become the food police. <laughs> um, we definitely don't want to, um, yeah, start start controlling or applying rules to other people. We need to make sure that we're not doing that. One thing, Jackie, that you had mentioned when we were talking earlier was just about how, how simple eating is. So I just want to briefly discuss that. Um, eating Eating is really basic. It really is. Like, like we've talked about before society or people started instilling all of these food rules on us, people just ate. They just ate when they were hungry. They stopped when they were full, they ate it was available. And so what these, what these rules do is they make food complicated. They make eating complicated. They make you, um, you know, I think it's exhausting trying to balance all these rules and to say, well, well, I'm not supposed to eat after six. I am supposed to eat breakfast but it doesn't work with my schedule. Like it just, when you think about like trying to make all of these things work in there, uh, it's going to be almost impossible. And so like Jackie, like, like you said, you just, we just need to like step back. We just need to like make eating simple again, try to stick to the basics and try not to get hung up on all of these, um, all of these external rules that we put on our eating. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and have a great day and we'll see you next week.